Hi, I'm JT White, author, digital native, and product person, obsessed with trying to find out how to make digital products and the people that make them the best we possibly can. This is Build for Better. My guest today is Kayla Rochelle. As a photographer for over 10 years, she has countless hours running a business that both tells the stories of her clients and the creativity that lives in her brain. She now uses those skills to help small businesses tell their own story through social media marketing. As a mom and an entrepreneur, she focuses on finding the balance between storytelling as a job and remaining present for moments in her own life. She's also in charge of keeping her kids from screaming during her husband's conference calls. This is Kayla. All right, so we're going to start, but before we start, the one thing that I didn't say in your introduction is that you're my wife. Yeah. My wife. <laughs> and you're sitting at our dining room table. Yep, that's true. Okay. So uh, anyone who's ever worked with me before knows that I like to preface things, and so I'm going to preface this with, uh, we love each other. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Good reminder. <laughs> And I'm excited about this episode. I'm actually very excited about this episode because we're going to talk about balance. And everything I said about you and your introduction is true. You are an entrepreneur and you are a multi-time founder and you've had to pivot and you've had to do all the words that people in my industry say. Uh, but you also have to balance your jobs with my jobs. Mm -hmm. And I've never actually heard any couple or anyone for that matter kind of talk through that. And so we're going to try to be as vulnerable as possible, but you can be honest and still kind. Yeah, I'll remember that. Okay, cool. I appreciate that. <laughs> so the first question I want to ask is, did you, did you think this is how this was going to be? No. <laughs> when we first started dating and before and when we got married? No, I sure didn't. What did you think was going to happen? Um... Well, I come from a long line of blue collar workers. And so I kind of just thought that at some point you would stop with the dream chasing and get a job you would just have for 35 years and it would be nine to five and we would settle into that kind of routine life because my grandfather did, my father did, all my family members all kind of worked factories, state jobs, all those things. Um, and I don't even know at what point, probably last Tuesday, you gave up yeah, on it. <laughs> last Tuesday, I probably actually, even though we've been together for 15 years, probably took six or seven before I kind of realized, oh no, this is the life. Um, and I'm on board with the life, but I think it took me meeting a lot of different people from your industry to figure that out, that it wasn't just you. This is kind of the excitement of the, of the gig. Did you resent me for it in the beginning? Uh, oh, no, I never resented you for it. I just didn't understand it because it felt risky. It's risky. And I'm not a risk taker by nature. And so when it came to like establishing our the foundation of our relationship and wanting to have a family and all that stuff, it felt very, felt like we were gambling all the time. And I don't gamble at first. I don't feel that way now. Now I probably should be more worried than I am at times. But... Probably. <laughs> I'm so numb to it at this point. Um, the highs and lows and the roller coaster that can be startup life, specifically, I think when it comes to tech and digital products, because it's always moving. Now I don't, but I don't think I ever resented you for it. So when you talked to other people, 
did anyone give you specifically good advice that made you feel better or was it just that you figured out that it wasn't just me as a crazy person and found out there was a bunch of people who were nuts and doing this and so that sort of just validated it enough no it was validation it was hearing other people um specifically like your mentees people who worked under you um people you worked with just listing off for me their resume and there were so many jobs and it was this startup and then they got sold and then we got bought and then I moved to this and then I did this and that that constant pivoting and that constant moving forward um hearing other people say that made me go like oh that that's just how it is this is just kind of part of the gig I guess as it were and not specific to you it was a while I think before I met a spouse of somebody yeah that was living a similar life now i have but now i feel like i'm almost more in a position of like giving advice to those spouses when i meet them because i'm like yeah it took me a long time to understand it but now i'm on board um but it it's hard because i don't think other people like we have a lot of family members who don't get it we have a lot of friends who don't get it because they just don't understand what you do yeah, well, on a scale, like, so from 0% to 100% of people in our life that, I'm going to say the word matter, I don't mean that, like, right, right. derogatory, I just mean, like, people who are close enough to, like, no mm -hmm. answers like this, how many people, what percentage of people do you think could accurately represent kind of what I do for a living? If I think about all of our closest family and friends who know us inside and out, they know your middle name, they know stories from your childhood, um changed my diapers, grew up with us. How many of them actually know what you do? Less than 5%. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, and I'm cusp. <laughs> you're, yeah, you were cuspier for a long time. I was cuspier for a long time. I think I get what you're doing now, but because I don't speak the language, um, it can sometimes feel like I'm, you know, translating a language I don't understand. Well, so one of the things I want to talk about, and I think this will flex into a larger and longer conversation, so I don't want to jump the shark, but so how much did that change when I started working from home? Oh, almost all of it, because I could just hear you having conversations in the background. Before, it, I had no context for what you would say, and you're not a sharer by nature. I'm, I talk through everything. If there's a thought that exists in my head, it's coming out. So they're like, I couldn't keep a secret from you in the first place because I can't not tell you every single moment of my day. And I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so does everyone else who knows us knows that too. That's not you. And so what you would share with me was so like foreign to my understanding. Um, but when you start working from home, I could hear conversations. I could sometimes hear both sides of the conversation if it was a Zoom call and I could kind of piece it together. Um, and I think too, though, when you started working from home, you started working for a company that welcomed me in as being a part of the family of that company. And yeah. that helped too, because I kind of got to understand some of the inner workings of it. Um, and so, yeah, I think for sure though, when you started working from home, that was when I kind of was like, oh, that's what he does. Also, he's really good. I can hear how scared other people are. <laughs> oh, no one was scared, trust me. <laughs> so when I start, like, were you, what did you think I was doing all day versus what actually happened? Because I feel like that's a thing that a lot of people probably don't understand about working on digital products in particular or just, like, in a digital ethos is, like, 
it's hard to understand. Like if somebody's like, I'm a mechanic, you're like, right. Got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> like totally got it. Versus like, oh, I build products. And they're like, what for like what? How's that work? Um, you are on the computer far less than I thought you were going to be. You spend way more of your day talking to people. Yeah. And I know that's a part of your position. That's a part of your current company, but you don't spend as much time. I don't know. I guess I kind of thought it was going to be like, um, Justin Long in, um, the Bruce Willis Christmas movie. <laughs> Oh my God. Is that a diehard reference? <laughs> Obviously a bad diehard reference. It's not a great one. But like kind of like in a cave typing with numbers scrolling across the screen, like very hackers-esque. Right. And um that's not that's actually not what you're spending most of your time doing. In fact, I will often tell like those family members who don't know what you do and our friends that you are in charge of the people who do the computer coding, because that's what they also think that you do. Right. Yeah, I'm not in charge of them, but I think I think what you're speaking to is the fact that like very few people I think understand that it's a team sport. Yes, exactly. That like the majority of what I am doing is actually working with other people to figure mm -hmm. out what and how to build things. Yes. And that on both sides, right? So like, you know, in my present job, like I work with my CEO and co-founder and like we talk about mm -hmm. what we're building. Like Right. What do we want to build? Is it good? Is this bad? Whatever. And then we get to talk to our CTO about, can we build it? Like, mm -hmm. how hard is it to build? How big of yeah. a deal is it? Like, most of most of what we do is discussion. And to be honest, on the engineering side, a lot of what they do is also yeah. talking to each right. other about how to do a thing before they just go do it. Yeah, I didn't know that. I think that's interesting. I think that's probably the truth for a lot of people. Yeah, I've often heard you like at dinner parties and stuff say that people think startup life, specifically startup tech life, is what you see in the movies, ping pong tables and, yeah. you know, this kind of like Google-esque golf cart woohoo situation. And I'm sure there's a, a bit of that, but yeah, it's, that's not what it is really. No, well, not when it's done right, although they've done a pretty good job of making that a thing. Yeah. So... All right, so to uh, on to the work from home thing. Did you prefer when I didn't work from home? That is not easy to answer. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here. <laughs> I don't know that I have a preference. It was it was different. It was really hard when you first started working from home because at that time I stayed at home with our oldest. Uh -huh. And I was solely in charge of our day entirely. And I could dictate what our day looked like based on what we had going on. And so when you started working from home, first of all, I was trying to figure out what the heck you were doing. We were in a small New York City apartment with a small child who made a lot of noise um, and having to balance now living in your work environment. Yeah. That's, we've, we've been doing this since way before COVID. It took a long time to for me to find that, figure that out. And there are still times when I do not have a handle on it. It's really hard for me sometimes to be the only person you see at the water cooler when you don't want to talk about pop culture like I do. <laughs> I mean, if you watch more sports, this would be easier. <laughs> but it's fine. I get, I get it. I think for for me, 
So first of all, like to, to your point, I think it's an important context for everybody because one of the things we have to do for this episode is remember that everyone doesn't have the knowledge that we have about our journey, right? That's true. So we lived in New York City in a, by the way, a very nice sized apartment. Beautiful. I loved that apartment. So. Loved that apartment. But it was small. It was a two bedroom apartment in the East Village. And I basically worked out of our bedroom. Not basically, you did. No, I did. Not, not basically. I worked out and I, and I didn't leave. You You rarely left the house. Um, I had to be out of our bedroom by a certain time so that you could start work. And a lot of times in the middle of the night, your email chimes would go off. Yeah. We lived in your work. Yeah. yeah. We lit. I mean, literally. Lived. Yeah. I mean, I also could have, I was, I'm a better person now. I, I would have turned the email notifications off at this point. You had, you started getting nightmares. So you did at some point. I did at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, but we, I mean, this is 2016 or 2017. 2016, 2017. Yeah. So it was way before the work from home thing was like just sort of became yeah. commonplace right. for sure. So we've been doing it a lot longer than others. And it's important to note now that we live in a house mm -hmm. that is significantly more spacious. Yeah, you have your own office that has doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it does make a difference. It yeah. definitely makes a difference. Oh, I, oh, actually, I should ask. Does it make a difference or does it not make a difference for you? It makes a big difference in terms of my comfort level. I, because of who I am as a person, have and will always struggle with when you're having a tough conversation that's work related in your office the energy of that maybe loud maybe angry maybe frustrating conversation which is an important part of growing a business and trying new things um it's hard not to seep into the rest of the house i have to be very careful to be like that's what's happening but when he opens those doors it's different right i don't work in that environment and he doesn't live in that environment and so i have to be careful of that too yeah but i also am the main culprit of bringing whatever energy happened in that room into the rest of the house i am a hundred percent maybe 98 percent responsible for the carryover yeah because you can't like walk like well in manhattan right if i was having a tough day at work i would just walk to lunch to like change my mind and my attitude right. and for you you might walk down to our kitchen and i might be here with the kids making lunch and causing a ruckus but you're there's no like break for you and so yeah if it it's not as though you shut those doors and work stops and life starts it's very commingled yeah it's definitely it's one of the, like it's one of the greatest joys of my life is that occasionally i get to come downstairs and have lunch with you and our youngest like before because mm -hmm. she's not quite in school all day and so that's like one of my favorite things that happens during the week it is also one of my least favorite things that happens during the week and it's not that you and her are doing anything it's just like Having to code switch that fast yeah. into little girl energy and little like dad girl energy and then flip directly back out of it back into whatever I'm doing, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter, is not uh, always ideal. Yeah. I'm sure I'm not great at it. <laughs> You're way better than you used to be. You're still oh, good progress at it. is good. I'll make progress. Progress is great. It's also the benefit of starting at a two, is you get to a four and people go twice as good. <laughs> I think too that you're good at vocalizing it, and I know now. I get it because now that I'm hearing what your day looks like, sometimes I can anticipate before you come downstairs, you know what kind of day you've had, and I can kind of prep our lives to be, you know, more helpful around that too. Do you want that to be your job? <laughs> I'm on the journey with you. Um, you know, the one thing I do think 
not to give myself too much credit here. Please. But I think um, I used to hear people talk about their spouse's success as their own, right? That's the whole purpose of like why people get alimony after divorce because we built it together. And there are a lot of jobs that I don't think that that necessarily applies to. You may have created that life together, but you've not necessarily created that success when it comes to professionally together. I'm not a part of your success professionally, but I'm so involved because you're home in like a lot of decision making, just even about our lives as it relates to your job. And so I do feel like I'll say to people without thinking about it, like, oh, well, we took a job in Texas. I didn't take a job in Texas, but my job was to support you on that on that path. Oh, we moved to Manhattan for a job. Oh, you know, JT started working from home you know, as though it's it's a family decision because it, you have really made all of them a decision we've made together because it can be a roller coaster and we kind of have to be on the track together. Yeah, well, I would argue that you, you don't kind of. Like, I've seen friends of ours go through this very successfully. Mm-hmm. We've also seen friends of ours go through this very unsuccessfully. Yeah. Because... You know, I mean, one of the truths about startups is, like, I think, you know, everybody watches, like, you know, even our friends and family who, you know, no no shame to them. Like, it's very hard. Like, it's not their job to know my life. It's their job to know theirs. But if you watch enough television (laughs) and you watch the movies, like, startup life is ping pong tables and all that stuff. But then it's also just, like, huge influxes of capital and all of this, like, very, you know, romanticized version of Silicon Valley and all that stuff. And even even today, like, you know, my my CEO, I mean, he raised four almost four million dollars, which is a a tremendous amount of money if you don't know what it costs to run my business. Yeah. And then like I like I so I say that to people and people like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah." but like talk to anybody who works in tech about what a four million dollar raise looks like. And most people Mm -hmm. be like, whoo, you got another raise coming. And like you're like, yeah, "Yeah." like that's just a part of of how we exist, whether that's healthy or not. I don't know. But you can't do any of that stuff. And there is. It's like we've, you know, we have been in the past 15 years on a financial roller coaster of some like really, really good times and some like genuinely brutal. Yeah. Like super, super hard times. Yeah. And like during those times, how do you as a I so this is a two part question. One, as a spouse, like how do you keep your sanity? through that and then the second thing and i want to talk to you about your business a little bit is because you are also an entrepreneur and you also have your own business like how does that affect your business um i have a lot of faith in you (laughs) (laughs) you tricked me a long time ago you know magic Uh, (laughs) i love magic I just have a lot of faith in you. And one thing I have learned, and and I think I could only have learned this with time, um, time spent with you in this industry, in this kind of job, which is that there are highs and there are lows. But if there's a low, I know there has to be a high. And so even when it's like we're eating ramen and reminiscing about how good it was three months ago and how good we hope it could be three years from now, um, or we're on the cusp of, see, I'm weeing again, but when we're on the cusp of knowing there may be a job change coming, we don't know what that looks like. And we don't know how, what the time frame is on that. I just have to stay centered in the fact that I know you could do anything and you've proven that to me. And so 
If our worst case scenario is we move back to our hometown and you work in a factory nine to five, that's not a worst case scenario, but I, that just would never be your path. And so I just try to keep my eye on that is that when there are lows, there are always highs coming. So how does it affect your business? Well, or does it, I, sh I shouldn't assume that it does. Maybe it doesn't at all. I hope one day that my business could rival yours in terms of, um, the success that I have and the amount of time I can dedicate to it. I can't right now because we have kids and my priority is taking care of them and taking care of you and taking care of our house and our home and our life. And so I do feel this desire to want to contribute more, to be able to put more time into my business. But when you're suffering a work low, you have to put more time into your business to get back out of that low. And that is very hard for me because I want to do something and all I can do is just kind of stand by and wait for the high. Yeah, I think sometimes even taking time away from you and your focus so that I can lean more into my business because, you know, you have to support me when I'm doing that. Um, I actually think I carry more guilt about that when you're in lows because I feel like that you shouldn't be taking your eye off the ball of getting back to the high. But that's for me and my therapist to work through, I think. <laughs> Woof. All right. <laughs> I mean, that's just my truth. No, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I think the, what what's interesting is that you, you have me in a very interesting position when I talk to other people because I don't refer to you as a stay-at-home mom. I refer mm. to you as a business owner. Yeah. And I think people operate under the assumption it sort of becomes like a dual income situation, which we we do, mm. but like you have it's a very different kind of business. Yes. Like it's a very different kind of business, right? It's one that you have to do a lot of legwork to maintain yeah. and it's one that you have to schedule and it's one that can also similar to mine but in a different for different reasons like there's a lot of fluctuating moments yes. when photography is like a big deal versus not a big deal mm -hmm. and you have also which i i think i hope that you have always felt that i give you credit for but you have also carved out i don't want to call it a niche of what you're good at but you i think because you follow your joy in photography mm -hmm. you don't shoot things that could make you more money but that would not be fun we will never agree on that statement <laughs> ever. And, that's okay. and let me interrupt you and say, you are my biggest supporter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't fishing for compliments. No, no. But, but, but it's crazy to me how you can be uh, in your low or struggling or really facing some challenges at work and still be like, you got this, honey, go do your thing. Um, when it's feels so inconsequential compared to some of the big deal conversations and numbers sometimes that you're having to face. Um, but you know, the differences between, I mean, just there's many differences between what you do and what I do, but I am a one man band. Right. So we joked for a while. We saw something that was like, um, asking your spouse, if you switch jobs, who would get fired first? And I still think you would get yourself fired from my business first because you have enough team members around you and enough people in your support system who I know work like you do that I could reach out to them and be like help me I'm now doing his job where if you sat down at my desk it's 
it's just Kayla language, Kayla code everywhere. There's no one you can turn to for help. Yeah, I mean, like a big part of your job is Instagram. And I started a podcast that's actually doing relatively well with people I care a lot about. And I can't post a single picture on the Instagram handle. So I think I think it's fair to say I'd be fucked in your job. Yeah. I don't think anybody would question that. And I should help you, but you're busy. I'm so busy. You just got a lot of other, <laughs> yeah. you got so many other things to do. Yeah. You said something that brought this up in my head, which I thought is interesting. So for me, a lot of what, and I think a lot of the people that I have become friends with and that I idolize and that I look up to and mentors of mine and just colleagues, like one of the things that we all have in common is we're very future facing. Yes. Which is, I think, partially one of the reasons that I'm so interested in the digital landscape in general and why I've always been attracted to it is because it has always felt like the future. Like, I remember the very first time that I did, like, the Microsoft Paint application with mm -hmm. the Ninja Turtles. And I was like, no one needs paintbrushes anymore. <laughs> this is the future. Yeah. And, like, I still feel like that with the stuff that we're building now, like, especially in the AI space. So that helps me in my job i also think it's probably a very large reason that i'm drawn to the startup world and not the nine to five thing mm -hmm. because when you were talking about like living in the lows you know a high is coming or when we like project into the future like one of the things that i've always thought is very interesting about our relationship is that like i like my imagination is nuts yeah and i can spend two whole days talking about building a house or designing a car or i mean literally anything that is entirely out of the realm of possibility yeah and it's not a place that you exist which is probably i just think there's an interesting parallel there with like your art versus my art yeah yes that's very true i stop time as a photographer my right. goal my vision for every client because i specialize in family photography is capturing your family exactly as they are in that moment because I'm very present-minded and and future can be scary to me. Uh, you know, eventually our kids aren't gonna wanna cuddle anymore or need us or talk to us or all of those things. So for me, I like to create art for people who wanna stop time, which is the exact opposite of how you're looking at everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, it's, I talked about this on the Thanksgiving episode a little bit, right? Like this idea of having like a mindfulness practice and it like mm -hmm. I've had to do a tremendous amount of work that I am still mostly failing at, mm -hmm. at becoming like a present person. I would argue that statement, but because you're not, I don't think you're failing at all, but go on. Well, again, when you started to and you make it to a full <laughs> devil your accurate. So I do think that that's like when I think about balance mm -hmm. right like that's one of the jokes that i think most of our friends and family have had forever right is that i'm all gas and you're all brakes yeah it's a joke so. but it's real <laughs> <laughs> so we wind up somewhere in the middle and i i feel like i've learned i've learned a tremendous amount about of i've learned a lot about how to communicate with people in my work through our communication patterns mm -hmm. in in the sense of like having to remember that you're constantly coming from a different spot than i am yeah as a steady state which is i th like i would argue has made our relationship a lot of fun and continues to make our relationship a lot of fun because there's like a natural pull mm -hmm. to the other's direction so there's like there's like a healthy amount of friction in every decision we make because we're 
we're very often coming at it from a wildly different angle. Yeah, and we both have to compromise. Right. Right. Where my instinct is to be risk adverse and to be very steady and stable. You love to try new things and reach for the stars and dream big. And I think that's the cornerstone of your success. You've never been afraid to not try something, to reach out to somebody, have a conversation somebody else wouldn't have. You just go for it. And that's taught me a lot in my business because my instinct is to not do that. Um, but because you've taught me how to communicate in that that way or more in that way than I'm, you know, programmed to do, that encourages me to keep moving forward, too. Well, also then paramount to our relationship is that the thing that I do and then you figure out how to then do it better than I do, which is infuriating. <laughs> oh, that's true. Genuinely infuriating. No. <laughs> I want to go back to sort of the the balance of how you handle the nonsense that is startup life mm. because you also so you know, you've had to pivot your business fundamentally three times because of my businesses right yeah. mm -hmm. so because i like took a job and then we decided to move to dallas which i do want to go like we did genuinely like it was always yeah. a discussion right right and then we moved to new york and then we moved to now to charleston like you basically had to start your business over three times yeah not basically no that's true right not basically you've entirely had to start yeah. your business over three times and learn the new state laws and the new tax regulations and it's different every time you you leave in my world right yeah and then also try to maintain some level of connection and clients where you've left yes while also embracing the fact that as an artist my art tends to be very reflective of where i am um, not just literally location-wise, but where I am as a person. And that has changed at each move we've made and need yeah. to figure out how to balance who I was as an artist and who I am and will be as an artist when my physical area changes and how to attract all new clients. I start at zero. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's been really good for me. I can say that in hindsight. Every time I've had to restart my business. You thrilled. No. During it, just for the record. No. But in hindsight, it's given me the opportunity to, to do a full stop on what I was doing in my business and evaluate what was working, what wasn't working, what do I want to do better, what do I need to just give up, what do I need to lean harder into. And that's something like, right, we've moved three times, but you've not had the ability to do that. You've never been able to take a take a company and just put a full pause on it and just restart it again. Um, and so that's been really good for me, uh, both as a business person and mentally, to, to have to reevaluate my, what I'm doing all the time. Cause I am a one man band, so. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, what is that? Like, what's the biggest thing that you've learned in doing that though? Like now, like, so now let's just assume that we don't move for I don't know, three years would be a long time. <laughs> for you, it would be a long time. <laughs> so let's just assume we stay put for a while. Like, mm -hmm. is that a practice that you would put in motion now where every three years you would just say, okay, who am I now and start over? Um, I think I'm just open to the fluidity of it changing all of the time. Right now, I feel like I'm in the middle of a transition. Um, I have never been able to go through a transition and maintain my normal workload. It's always been a forced stop. So this is a new world, new territory I'm stepping into. 
Um, but kind of all a part of being that present minded. I'm just letting it happen. I'm letting it go. And I'm trusting that my business will be a reflection and my success in my business will be a reflection of um, not how hard I work because I don't think A does not equal B when it comes to that. Right. Um, but the effort that I put in and that when there are lows, there are highs. So speaking of lows and highs, I, I want to ask you some questions, a line of questioning on behalf of people who are potentially starting this journey or who are joining this journey mid-flight. Like, I think the one thing that I do think is interesting for you and I that I can't help but assume helped is that we did it together. We've been together for a long time. A long time. And you were not doing this when we got together. No, when, we when I first got together, I didn't know what I was doing. And mm -hmm. then you got to see me sort of find a footing in what I was doing, which required me to travel a ton. Mm -hmm. But it was also, we didn't have kids yet. So it was kind right. of just like, you know, I was in Vegas and you were like, who gives a shit? Yeah, like, there's movies on the couch. And yeah, <laughs> see you, buddy. Me and the dog are good. Soup. We're good. Right. So I do, I, I do think contextually that's important, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so there's probably a huge difference to to being in the initial tranche of decisions to go do the big scary thing together, mm -hmm. versus joining somebody who is doing the scary thing, right. and you just get thrown into the fucking deep end, and it's just like, well, guess what? We might not have money for a long time, or we might have all the money soon. Good luck. <laughs> so I want to ask some questions about that. What's the biggest piece of advice that you get? Because you have given, you have had these conversations now. Like, what's the single biggest piece of advice that you give based on our journey to people on either side of the conversation? Um, I think the biggest thing I can offer to, you're speaking about like a spouse. Well, or, or I mean, or it person on that journey. You talk to people on the journey too. I mean, you meet as many entrepreneurs as you do entrepreneur spouses yeah um i think it's just actually both i'm gonna interrupt you i want both because I, th I think it's probably a really interesting it's a different piece of advice like what advice would you give to the person who has to go on the journey with somebody and what advice would you give to the person who's going on the journey about the person they're on the journey with yeah something i know i've said to people who are starting the journey for themselves and joining a startup and jumping into this world is um just like you know yeah it can be really stressful but it's always so worth it i know that's kind of cliche but you know this this the biggest lesson i've learned that there are good times and there are hard times and the hard times get you to those good times specifically in this industry and uh, I think they all know that. It, it seems that I'm saying that as a piece of advice, almost more to validate for them that that is coming and then right. that's fine. But you got to be willing to just take it. You can't jump ship because just jump ship now. Sure. For somebody whose partner is, is kind of on the journey, it's um, the advice I think would just be the the never ending support. I don't know that I've always supported you endlessly, but I've always been here and just kind of given you the space to process through whatever is happening because it can change so quickly, right? Like you were saying, you might say to me like, "Oh, we raised four million dollars," and to me, I'm like, "Oh my god, that's amazing! Let's pop champagne and throw a party." And you're like, "That's gonna get us nowhere. We have to start again tomorrow." And I'm like, "Okay, great." 
So it's kind of a balance between just asking questions, which I need to get better at sometimes, and yeah. just figuring out what the heck does this all really mean, but also not getting so deep into the weeds that I'm adding to the pressure that you're getting from everybody else in the space of like, you know, what does that mean? Just more of a, how can I support you? Yeah, I think that the, the things that immediately come to mind for me is the advice that I would give people who are in my position, so their spouse has to be supportive, is to learn to over-communicate. Yeah. And that that can mean different things. It doesn't mean water cooler. I know it frustrates you that I don't do that. But what it means is, like, you need to communicate what you do and don't need mm -hmm. from the person that you're partnered with, like, very clearly. Because sometimes, like, I, I might want to tell you what's happening. And, like, one of the things that I'm the, the worst at is that I don't want to water cool you. Like, I won't water cooler with you at all. And then I'll have a thing I really want to, like, vent about. But then you don't ask me. And I'm like, well, you don't even ask how my day was. And you're like, dude, that sucks. And I'm like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, like, it, now I don't say that at the time. But usually, like, 10 minutes later, I'm like, hey, I get that I don't actually do that most of the time. But that's one of those things that I've had to learn where I have to come downstairs and I'm like, hey, there's a thing happening that I just need to talk to somebody about and yeah. I just need you to just be here. And even if you don't understand two thirds of the words, just smile and nod. Like that's important. The other thing that I think is important that I did a really poor job with you in the beginning, but I think I have gotten better at, or you have taught me how to be better at. I'm not sure which one it is, but I'll take the credit. <laughs> Obviously. 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 <laughs> is defining what success and winning looks like in the journey yeah i was waiting for you to stop talking so i could say i changed my mind <laughs> okay i actually think one of the key things i would tell somebody who was partnering in some capacity with somebody who's on this journey is that success does not equal dollar signs right i think early on that's what i thought probably that's what you thought that it was like oh yeah you've seen any episode of shark tank you know one out of every three is getting the getting the big money right and gonna be successful and huge and you're gonna see their product everywhere and they're gonna get infomercials and all that stuff that's not how the real world works it's right. not the success is not always marked in what company could buy us you know what article can we get shared on it's sometimes smaller than that and not as easy to understand if you're not in the world what that six where that success comes from when it's not tied to just a dollar sign yeah i think one of the so the way that i would position that as a as a partner is to basically be like okay what are you trying to do with yeah, this? yeah right and then like and you can actually help move them forward as a product thinker or as a business owner as a ceo or whatever because the the answer matters, mm -hmm. right? And if the answer is, I want to build this company and sell it for money, and they never mention what the company does, then back to being present, like you sort of need to understand what that's going to look like. Right. Because that's a different journey than I want to build blank yeah. that does blank. And the goal of every entrepreneur, by the way, is to be the best yeah and to get an exit and to make a ton of money and to you know some people have more vain things but like for the most part like everybody wants the exit event like that's mm -hmm. what you're looking for you want a liquidity event where you get a bunch of money at the end because people go look at this thing you did congratulations yeah. here is your capital and that's good but if that's the goal yeah which by the way i'm not saying that's the bad goal like if somebody just has a, i have an idea that i know is a good idea i don't care about the idea it's going to make me rich that's okay like that's fine 
but that's a different kind of journey and you have to support that differently than somebody who has a vision they're trying to actually impart and implement somewhere yeah because the 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 shit part of this that people don't talk about enough is that you can do that and not make any money like you can yeah. successfully build your company and product and you can build a really good company and a really really beautiful product and you can fucking lose yeah we have taught me that you you can do all those things make the product you love have a big exit get lots of press make lots of money and then you wake up the next day and find a job and it's because what i've learned is it almost no one i'm sure there's a small percentage but no one's chasing that dollar sign they're chasing the adrenaline i think more so of that success and of being a part of that building that thing coming up with this idea changing the way something is happening and so there's no dollar amount that makes them not want to stop or makes them stop doing that yeah i think stop doing well i think it depends i mean i i think the way that i look at it is that no it's true like it's just the truth like the truth is is like there is you know, first of all, when you say the words big exit, like that means something very different to you than it does to me. I'm talking about it makes the Today Show morning news. <laughs> right. That would be right. my understanding. Well, I think that, but but that's one of those things where, again, even in those situations, and this is where like, you know, friends and family don't necessarily know, like, you know, you could be a part of a $200 million acquisition and not necessarily make nearly as much as people think you're going to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, and by the way, even if you do, it might not matter. Like you might not care mm -hmm. about the money at that point because you might actually care more about what you built and what's happening to it. And that's a wild spot to be in that I've never been in, so I'm not going to speak on it. But I, I do think that purpose is a big deal in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And there have been moments in our relationship where I've lost my purpose. Mm. And that has been really, really unhealthy for us and super unhealthy for me as an employee and a contributor to a workforce. And it's one of those things that I'm now very vigilant about, which is like if your purpose starts to waver, like that's one of the biggest things that I talk to people about, like when they're talking about and even just like people like small stuff. But I'm like, listen, if you're wavering on why you're doing the thing you're doing, really take inventory of that in real time and i think that's one of those things that i think about a relationship a partnership and trying to build a home and a house and all those things like that purpose needs to be at the center of those decisions and if you lose that purpose and you just go about sort of what's happening just because it's what's happening and you don't bother to sort of check in that's where i've i've personally have seen i think people start to kind of lose just that sort of lose the through line which is hard. Like, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't have, there's no magic bullet for it, but I just think that that that's the big advice that I would give to people. Yeah. That's good advice. Just orienting on purpose. And I think as, as your spouse, one of the most important things for me to do is to remind you of that purpose, right? Because we've communicated about it. There are often times where I've looked at you and said, what's the goal for after this? Not that you plan to leave your job or, um, you know, not that there's a plan, but what's the goal? What's the next goal? Um, if you succeed in this purpose, what does the next part of your purpose look yeah. like? And and helping keep you on track to that that ultimate goal 
um, which is a moving target. That's what I've learned is that that target moves. But if, if I can kind of keep an eye on what your end target is, whatever that might look like, I can help support you in just keeping that in mind. Cause I think you, I think you can get lost in the weeds sometimes Yeah. of the day to day of it. And yeah. you know, um, what the ultimate big picture is. Yeah. But I also think that one of the things that's challenging, and this is for every relationship, but I, I'm sure startup land doesn't make it easier is that, you know, in order for us to be really good at that, like if, if I'm chasing my individual purpose or my company's purpose or whatever, like there's also, there's our purpose, like there's this house's purpose mm -hmm. and there's our family's purpose. And when like, for a long time, hustle culture, I think flipped the paradigm where the expectation was that the balance would be completely fucked mm -hmm. in one direction. And it was fine because if you work hard, it'll work out. That's just not true. Mm -hmm. Like you can work really, really hard on a really bad idea. Yeah. And nothing will happen. You can work hard on a good idea. I was just going to say, you can also work really, really hard on a brilliant fucking idea. Yeah. And it might not happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I consider myself very lucky that it's always been the latter for me. Like, I've, I've never worked on stuff that I didn't think was a really good idea. Right. But they haven't all worked. Right. <laughs> Which is, you know, a bummer. But also, yeah. just, I think that's sort of part of the deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I think trying to, like... Thinking about like now, and I'm sure like, you know, probably having, not probably, having kids has changed this for me. Totally. And having kids who are the age that they are now, where they want me around and they're upset that I can't do things and all those things, like, it definitely is a forcing function for me to keep that balance in check. And I also know that like, that'll change. Like, eventually my kids won't really care that I'm around and I'll probably wind up with time again where I can go do a bunch of stuff that I used to do before we had kids. But in the meantime trying to keep both those two purposes at least as closely aligned as possible so there's some level of balance i think is a thing that i mean i'm happy to say is a challenge for me all the time and a thing i think about constantly mm -hmm. and it's a thing that we have to talk about constantly yeah because my decisions at work do affect the rest of what happens here yes and your decisions here affect what i'm able to do and not able to do at work mm -hmm. totally absolutely there are a lot of things that I would do if you were not here that I would not do since you're working from home. Right. Like large play dates. <laughs> like, yeah, enormous amounts of children in the house. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Loud dance parties. <laughs> right. You guys still do a fair amount of dance parties. I try to keep it till after five. <laughs> <laughs> well, my East Coast friends appreciate that. Yeah. East Coast <laughs> doesn't necessarily. So what else has been like your favorite? What's been your favorite part of the journey so far? I think because you have worked at the forefront of some amazing small companies, I've been there, right? I, I know what you're doing. I'm very much aware of what it's, what's happening in the phases of it. The day-to-day -day successes I don't mark, but the large successes can feel just as exciting for me too, even if I don't know how to build what you're building or what the product does <laughs> but it feels like we've won like i'm a part of the team yeah, that, yeah. that got there because of the support um that i could just offer you and you know and being so aware of what's happening what's been your least favorite part of all of it i am very susceptible to your energy 
And so when you are stressed, when you've had a stressful day at work, I'm constantly having to learn how to not have a stressful day at home. Is that it? <laughs> Is that too much? No, No. not at all. No, it's interesting. It's it's something that I think about. It ha it actually has really interesting business implications too, because I do think that that's that's a that's a trait of people, right? It's a trait of people to want to have their energy control the room. It's also a trait of people to mirror. Yeah. the energy that's in the room. And it's something that I've, I'm learning a lot more about as I get older, that I'm definitely the former and you're the latter. Mm -hmm. And I think for a long time, I probably, I don't know that I fully recognized that that was a thing that I could do. Yeah. And I think I took advantage of it for a long time. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, this is for me and my therapist, but I'm very interested about whether or not that was sort of like dissonance where I was just like, I'm going to pretend I don't know that I can do this because then I can do it and not feel bad about it when I do it versus genuinely being unaware that that was a thing that I was capable of doing. And now it's a thing where I'm, I have to recognize that I was like, Hey, if you're, if this is the mood you're going to be in, it has the ability to really affect the people you're about to be interacting with. And you got to like, I have to get my shit together. And that's where the working from home thing is really challenging Yes, because code switching that fast mm -hmm. is Like, I'm just going to say it's not humanly, it's not a thing we're supposed to be able to do that quick. No. And you know, there, there was, um, I, I worked a job once and there was lots of cubicles and there was many of us who worked there. And if someone was acting like an asshole, I could wait till they left and then scurry to somebody else's cubicle and be like, he's a dick. Yeah. And then go back to my job and feel like I got a little validation. I got to say it out loud and I got, you know, I got like, oh got it off my chest and there's no cubicles for you when you work from home no and so i think that has to just be hard because you can't just express the good or the bad sometimes you're just alone up there for, for as much as you spend all day long talking to people yeah like you have to be very careful or you could go days without leaving our house Yeah, well, and definitely days without talking to people in person that you're not related to. Well, it's the reason that I work out. It's the reason that I have the bike. It's the reason I go to the gym four days a week is because otherwise I won't, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Like my roles in this house, like I'm very lucky, right? Like my roles in this house is I have to work and then I do bus stop stuff and drop off stuff yeah. and dinner stuff and some bedtime stuff. And, but then otherwise I could genuinely sit in my office yeah. and like, you know, we're, I'm at a point in, in our organization where I could sit in my office yeah. for 10 hours a day and probably find stuff to do and never run out of stuff to do. No, you'd be busy, but you would never just, you would never need to leave or see anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dangerous. Else. Yeah, it is dangerous. Yeah, dangerous. But I also don't think I would trade it. Like I, now that I've worked remote, the flexibility of thought is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is like, I do miss human interaction. Like I definitely do miss that. But I also now can think about like when I have downtime, which is not often to be completely candid, but like when I do have downtime and, and, and like, I'm lucky to work in an organization where we make time for stuff like that. Yeah. Like I can, like, I feel very productive. Brian Muller talked about procrastination and the power of procrastination actually on this podcast. And I actually think it's a really beautiful sentiment because it's true. I am, I'm, I, I'm an imaginative kid. Like, mm -hmm. like I was an only child for most of my life. And so like, if you leave me alone to my own devices, like I'll start to wander. Cool shit happens when I wander. And I've recognized that 
there's a lot more space for me to do that not working in an office because the truth is in an office there was it's very hard to just sit by yourself yeah and fuck around mm -hmm. chances are you're going to wind up at the water cooler or at the ping pong table or out to lunch and those things are all also really really valuable I think it just depends on your personality type. And I'm pretty confident now that my personality type is more productive like this and gets more out of this than I would get out of that. Because mm -hmm. I'm also an, an, you know, I'm an extrovert introvert. So like, I'll go find what I need after work. Yeah. But I also think that that's like a really important thing that we're I, I'm interested to talk to people about is the community that you have to build around you socially to be able to successfully work from home. Yeah. Which I would not have done if I didn't have you because I like we now live in a neighborhood that's like very much a neighborhood that I was very, very against moving to. And now it's probably one of the things that has saved me mentally. Right. <laughs> Specifically in the last like, two people. years. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's not just working from home. It's probably a little bit of like circumstance too. my circumstance. If I could work 10 hours uninterrupted in an office with a door shut. Yeah. I either would be so highly productive, my brain would explode, or I would nap the whole time. Right. Because I'm trying to work in small pockets in which my children do not need me. Right. They're very small pockets. Yeah. But they're, the listen, as everything else, the pockets will grow. The pockets will grow. And, you know, we're on two different trajectories when it comes to business. You're all in, up, down, high, low, quick, fast moving, and I'm just foundationally building a stable situation that yeah. can keep growing. And just praying I don't ask us to move again, so you have to start over. Yeah, you're making me sweaty. I was going to say, what you can't see, because it's not a visual medium, is that's the first time Kayla has genuinely given me the sigh, like real <laughs> wife sigh. Like, please don't say that shit out loud, dude. Don't even put it in the atmosphere. Yeah. All right, final questions. I've done it with everybody else. I'm going to do it with you, even though this wasn't as much about digital stuff. But I do, I actually do think that these are the kind of conversations I'm even more interested in. Is is it's not what we're building; it's all the things that go into how the things get built successfully and happily, and balanced mm. and present and all that stuff. But I do want to ask them because I've actually never asked you these questions, and so I think it'll be fun. Uh, Bernard Pivot was a French author who wrote a bunch of questions that then got adapted by James Lipton, who did them in Inside the Actor Studio. And so I have taken a small pass at making them a little bit more sort of producty and digital, but not all that much, to be honest. So uh, short answers. What is a quote or concept that you love? There's a quote that uh, I believe is from Henry Cartier Brenson, but sometimes it gets assigned to Ansel Adams, but the quote is your first 10,000 photographs are your worst. And I've liked it for so long for many different reasons, not just as a photographer and an artist, but it's a constant reminder to me that you're not supposed to be good off the rip. Right. You're supposed to need a lot of practice to do things. Um, it takes a long time in everything, not just creating yeah. photos, but, and there's a Reddit user who I'm going to quote, but not use their name who said my next 10,000 were just as bad. Yeah. What the, the comedy version of that is 10 years is like, if you're a stand up, it like you, you suck for the first 10 years yeah. and there's no, the only exception is Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yeah. He was the only exception. Yeah. All right. What's a quote or a concept that you dislike? Um, uh, I think this is the part where I ruined my marriage, but sick. <laughs> I hate the quote that you love, God has, hates the peace of those he's destined for war. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Because I just, 
don't believe that if you're destined for negativity, you can only be surrounded in negativity. I just believe that there's more power in you to create good situations from bad. Yeah. For, for the record, just because there's a lot of context missing from, from that quote for me, is it's an old Irish quote that I think is... I think I actually, what I have learned to fall in love with that quote for the record is the intention of it. Yeah. Right. The intention of, of God hates the peace of those he is destined for war. The intention of that quote is that you can handle anything that comes at you, which if you think about when that quote is from and the plight of the Irish and literally everybody else in civilization at some point, some way more than others, it, it feels, I think the intention of that quote is actually really beautiful. I don't disagree with your with your yeah i hear the intention i just that's fair what's a job other than your own that you would love to have children's bookstore book owner yeah, i know potentially write children's books i don't know it's very you got mail but <laughs> uh what's a job other than your own that you would never want i would be terrible as a judge on a cooking show two reasons my husband does all the cooking for me <laughs> it's true I, I don't i don't cook uh, I can open cans and dump cans and stir things really well, but I don't, not creative. Masterfully. But like you watch these cooking shows and I'm like, how much food did they have to eat in one day? Yeah. Doesn't, how do you like even taste anything by the eighth course of disgusting cake you eat in? I don't know. I just would be really bad. Like, I'm not good at negative advice. Negative. This is where I ruin our marriage. <laughs> My marriage. Yeah. Of all the job, That is the bougiest answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god these amazing chefs are cooking for me ill gross there's so many other jobs that you should not want well, you know what i think i could be a janitor i clean houses those would be a garbage that, truck uh, yeah that, i think even even if i was like a window washer and skyscrapers eventually be good with that. i'd be good with it i just think i would be bad at this that's fair all right uh what turns you on spiritually creatively or emotionally light i love yellow light warm light um window light sunlight um partly because as a photographer i'm trained to search for it at all times sure there are so many times where we're just living our life i'm at the library with the kids and i just see the way the light comes into a window and i just immediately wish that i was um taking pictures and so i'm constantly just inspired and turned on creatively by searching for light pockets of light I mean, there's an obvious answer to the next one, but I don't think you'll do it. But what's uh, what turns you off spiritually, creatively, or emotionally? Not going to do it. Good. Um, I'm going with the word noise, which has two meanings here. Huh. Um, noise in photography uh, stands for like high grain, highly pixelated things. A lot of photographers add noise now that we do digital photo photos. Um, I'm in the era of adding a slight bit of noise in my black and whites. But in general, I tend to like things clean i like things as they are truthful um and also literally i'm learning that i don't do well with a lot of noise in my life i get overwhelmed easily i can get overstimulated and so um when there's moments of high noise i need to counter that with moments of stillness and so i'm, I'm having to really readjust my understanding of the word noise and that sucks yeah it doesn't suck though <laughs> i actually think it's okay it's okay one of the big things that gets said in my industry, and I, I credit to Ashley, who is a big part of our journey, was signal through the noise. So signal to noise ratio in life is important, right? So what are signals and what is noise? Things you have to pay attention to versus not. I actually use that. I still use that a lot. Uh, what's a product you absolutely love? Um, Adobe. 
as a whole. I know. Here's why. For shame. I know. Um, I'm a Lightroom and Photoshop user. Just in my past uh, jobs in marketing, I used lots of other Adobe programs. Adobe is not the best, but what I love about Lightroom is that when I'm taking a photo, I'm not thinking about the editing process. I just know what I want it to look like. I I'm seeing the image before I even get the camera up to my eye and I'm setting the settings, clicking that button. I'm seeing it in my mind. And being able to utilize the computer programs to create that image, it it's so intuitive that a lot of times I can do it now in so few clicks. And that is just amazing to me that that exists, that without ever telling anybody what's happening in my brain, there's a system that actually is thinking the way I'm thinking. What's a product you wish was better or have very strong feelings towards? Okay. Anybody who's a parent can tell you every single teacher, administrator, leader of a group you have, you're in has a different program they use to communicate. And I don't know why there's not one universal. There's not even one universal assigned to a school. And all of the like teacher communication platforms are chocked full of like ads and it's constantly wanting me to subscribe to get more information about my kid when all I want to do is see like the one picture of the science lab project on Wednesday. It's so annoying. And right now we only have one child in school. Um, well, like big kids school and I'm already annoyed. So I'm really concerned for a couple years from now when we've got multiple kids and multiple schools and multiple teachers. It's, I don't know why, I don't know why no one's streamlining the education communication system. I'm off the soapbox. I mean, I, it's my answer too, is all of education is so well. So yeah. this is actually, if you could solve any one problem through technology, what would it be? My answer, which you know, has always been like, just all just yeah. education, hard stop period, like all of it. Yeah. We need to like go back to the drawing board. There's, and figure out how to better support the teachers with the technology that exists. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, listen, this is a soapbox for me that I won't get on because it's your episode. But the, the problem is, is that education tech shouldn't be a business. Education tech should be funded and it should be given away and it should be good and it should be accessible and it should be easy and it should be meaningful and it should be practical and it should be free. And it should be the same for all schools. See, here's the thing. There, so I understand the logistic reasons why that's almost impossible. And like, I'm not even as sold on that. But what I am very sold on is making the applications themselves pay to play or ad supported or non super, super duper straightforward is a bummer. And the reason, and the truth is, is if you solve the first problem, it would solve your problem. Like if they, if teachers didn't have to come out of pocket and pay for this stuff, or if they could have an ad supported model so they don't have to pay for it, then nobody would have any of the stuff that you don't like anyway. And everybody would just use the one that they were given, but no one's given anything because it's, it's an expense. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. This is why I want to exit for a lot of money one day so I can spend all of my time trying to fix these problems for free because I don't care. I just want it to be better anyway. Is this when I'm supposed to say, what's the goal in the long run here so I can support you better? Nah, you're doing, <laughs> you're doing just fine. Well, listen, um, I mean, I adore you and love you. So I love you too. This was, I, I hope it was fun for you. This was fun. Did I offend you? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, 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 I think it's, 
I think it's a really interesting conversation. It's one that I, I you know, we explore a lot just because we actually get to live it every day. And sometimes yeah. it's like really fun and you're like, man, this is great. And other times you're like, what an idiot. Can he please go to an office now? Yeah, just go get a job. <laughs> but uh, I love you and I'm very grateful you did this. And I appreciate your vulnerability and your kindness. And uh, yeah. hope you have fun. Hey, my pleasure.